Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Body Justice. I started this podcast because I believe that all bodies are good bodies. All bodies are deserving, worthy, and all bodies are whole, just as they are. In today's world, it's ever hard to embody this as our truth. My mission is to create a space to process body image, eating disorders, and relationships through a justice-oriented lens. I'm a licensed therapist in California and an eating disorder survivor myself. I know what it's like to be at war with myself and also to find peace again. Thank you for being here and I look forward to being your host. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Body Justice. I have something on my mind I really wanna talk to you guys about. It's been on my mind for a while. Um, I really wanna talk today about the difference between a lapse and a relapse and how to cope with both in eating disorder recovery. I don't see this topic being talked about enough other than you know, we hear commonly recovery is not linear and um, like it's normal to have lapses and relapses, but we don't talk about often enough, what do we do when we lapse or relapse? And maybe how can we even prevent it? And the rich learning opportunity that comes with both of those. So I wanna spend some time today talking about that. Before we begin, I want you guys to just take a deep breath. Just check in with yourself. Notice anything that's coming up to you as we go into this topic of eating disorder, lapse and relapse. You might notice some difficult thoughts or emotions or memories or fear. Whether you've had a lapse or not, it's really common to worry about what do I do if this happens to me? And is this gonna happen to me or not? Um, and I just want you to send that part of yourself some reassurance that if that happens to you, you will know what to do. You'll know what to do because you have, you know, tools in your recovery toolbox. You have support in your life, whether that's a treatment team, family and friends to keep you accountable. There's so many free resources like recovery podcasts. There's low cost recovery groups and lots of books to help you on your journey. So reassure that part of yourself that you will know what to do if that comes. And remind yourself recovery isn't about perfection. There is nothing wrong with you if you have a lapse or a relapse. This is part of the process for almost everyone I work with. You know, I've never met someone that hasn't at least had a lapse. It's so normal and it's totally um, an opportunity to dive deeper into your recovery, to look at, okay, what were, what were my triggers? So before you go beating yourself up, before you, you know, let some of those difficult thoughts and feelings take over, just send yourself some compassion. All right, so let's get started. So like I said, this is a topic I've been wanting to do for a while on the podcast. Um, and like I said, this is something I don't see um, many providers talking enough about. 
The reality is though, when it comes to eating disorders or any mental health illness, this could be depression, anxiety, OCD, PTSD, um, et cetera, lapses are just part of the process. You know, it's how we learn more about what are our triggers and ultimately it points to another layer of healing. Relapses on the other hand are where we get into more of the danger zone. Relapses are also a part of many people's recovery journey, um, but there is a difference between a lapse and a relapse and I'm gonna shed some light on that with you guys today. So again, before we go further, I wanna remind you that both are highly treatable. A lapse or a relapse is not an indicator of personal failure. If anyone is shaming you for lapsing or relapsing, it's time to look for new support, seriously. If your therapist is making you feel bad um, or saying, you know, you're just a chronic case, you're never gonna, never gonna get better, it is time to find a new therapist. Um, unfortunately, providers that are not trained in eating disorders and even some that are, if they haven't been there themselves, it's very hard for them to understand um, the process. And sometimes providers get frustrated and they take that out on the client. Now, I'm not defending these providers, that is not okay. Um, at all. And you deserve to find someone that will support you through all the ups and downs. Um, I am someone that I never give up on my clients, not ever. I always believe recovery is possible, no matter how long it's been, no matter what barriers there are. You know, of course, some people have more barriers than others. Other people have privileges that help recovery um, move along quicker or more attainable. But I do believe that recovery is possible for everyone. Um, again, with the right resources and things to help you along the way. So, and I know from working with many of you that you are very hard on yourselves. Those of us with the genetics for an eating disorder tend to have a lot of perfectionism. We tend to have a strong inner critic. You don't need any more of that. You already have enough of that. You need compassion and love when lapses and relapses happen. And a skilled clinician will know this and will know how to support you through these difficulties. So making sure you have the right support on your side is a crucial first step to all of this. So let's talk about the difference between a lapse and a relapse. So a lapse, you can think of it as like a brief resumption into eating disorder behaviors before choosing recovery again. So this could look like acting on eating disorder thoughts and urges for a few days or even a week, um, but then realizing, hey, I really don't wanna go down this rabbit hole again. And you end up telling on your eating disorder to your therapist or dietitian um, or you know people in your lives that care for you. You then get the support and tools you need to move forward and you do not end up slipping back into a full-blown eating disorder because of the lapse. Lapses are so common. Sometimes they might even just be for half a day or a full day, um, but then you realize, okay, kind of catch yourself in, in those urges on acting on them. And you say, hey, I don't really want to do this. This urge is super strong right now, but I know I can like turn to my treatment team and get through this. That is a lapse. Um, a relapse is a resumption of eating disorder behaviors without catching yourself or without motivation to resume recovery. A relapse lasts longer and there's less intent to reach out for support to get better. Again, neither are character flaws. People go back to eating disorder behaviors for various reasons, all aimed at self-protection. All eating disorder behaviors are survival skills. You know, they are attempts to protect us from whatever the eating disorder is shielding us from. 
So this could be trauma, grief, difficult life transitions, stress, relationship difficulties, whatever. Eating disorders allow us to kind of numb out and escape for a bit. Um, so they provide that temporary relief. So, you know, if you find yourself going into a lapse or a relapse, again, I don't want you to beat yourself up about this. It's more about looking at, okay, what triggered this? How do I get back on track? Um, and so there's certain barriers, barriers for people that make this very hard, significantly harder for trauma survivors. Um, because the eating disorder is kind of keeping you in that window of tolerance to where you can tolerate some of the um, trauma triggers. Um, so it becomes very protective. Um, I know for me in my own recovery journey, whenever I would go through periods of stress, um, I also went through like a divorce in my um, recovery journey. When I went through stuff like that, the eating disorder thoughts would get louder, um, kind of like an old coping skill, like, hey, come here, come back, I can help you, you know? Um, of course, we know once we get further along in recovery that that's not the path that's actually going to help us. So we're able to kind of notice the thoughts and not act on the behavior. Now, that is not a lapse or a relapse. I want to make that very clear. Most people will continue to get eating disorder thoughts periodically, um, you know, throughout recovery, of course, and even after recovery. The difference is they are way less frequent. And they're not something you have the desire to act on anymore. And again, they may come up in more during periods of stress or transition. So part of getting back on trap, track after a relapse includes identifying what the triggers were that led you back to the behaviors. So let's look at what we can do when either of these things happen. I can hear you guys asking me, okay, yeah, but what do I do? <laughs> so let's get on to that part. Um, so number one, if it's a lapse and you have the motivation to get back on track with recovery, contact your treatment team right away and tell on your eating disorder. Um, when we kind of practice telling on the eating disorder, this helps us continue to externalize it, right? Like the eating disorder is not something you're born with. And you can think of it as a separate entity. Um, like, okay, I'm going to tell on my eating disorder. It is not um, so that you personally are in trouble, right? It is for the eating disorder to call it out. And this helps in terms of accountability in a lot of ways, I think, because I think there's a lot of shame that comes up for clients um, and certainly for myself and my own journey. You know, whenever there was a lapse, I felt ashamed to tell my, my treatment team because, you know, again, we have these personality traits of perfectionism and um, just kind of rigidity and so people pleasing for sure. And so we can feel like we're letting people down. Um, so sometimes what I find with clients is when we frame it as, okay, let's practice telling on your eating disorder. It takes the shame away a little bit like, oh, this wasn't me. This is my illness. Um, so the eating disorder really thrives in secrecy. And if your treatment doesn't know, treatment team doesn't know what's going on, um, they're not going to be able to help you. So people suffering absolutely need support to get better. So tell on your eating disorder, come up with a plan with your treatment team for how to get better. For example, you know, with my clients, this usually looks like having the client walk me through the days and hours leading up to the lapse. Um, we get right down to the moment to moment um, kind of lead up to the behaviors. So we become like investigators and we look at, 
the precipitating events, the vulnerability factors, the emotional and relational triggers, life changes and stressors. And then we look at specifically what thoughts um, precipitated the behavior, what feelings precipitated the behavior. And it's funny because usually a client will come to me in session and say, oh, I had a lapse, I had a relapse, I don't know what happened. And at first glance, they claim to have no idea, right? Like it just seems like it just happened one moment, boom, back down the eating disorder. But that's not how lapses and relapses work. They are a buildup of a chain of events. So it's okay to not have the awareness, right? That's why you have a treatment team. That's why you have people helping you recover. So they can walk you through and slow you down and help you kind of investigate what happened. Usually they don't just come up out of the blue. So you can even use what I what is called a DBT behavior chain analysis. If you have a DBT therapist or you like DBT, you can find this worksheet online. Just Google DBT behavior chain analysis. And this has you write out um, some of these vulnerability factors and thoughts and feelings really kind of walks you through exactly what I would do with a client. Um, and sometimes, you know, writing it out helps you link together how the lapse happened and also helps you remember for later because it's written down on paper. So when you identify all the factors, you can make a plan for how you could have coped and commit to using this plan next time similar triggers arise. This is really all about learning and growing. This isn't about you being bad or wrong. Like I said, the cliche recovery motto, recovery is not linear, right? There's always ups and downs. So think of these lapses as the downs, but every down you have is a chance to get that much stronger and further in your recovery. So we just have to be careful not to sit there in the shame of a lapse or a relapse. That's what keeps us stuck. The judgment, the blame, the inner critic, that does not help us move forward, okay? So practicing that compassion, this is a mental illness you're battling. This is not personal choice or personal failure. If recovery was all about making one decision to recover, no one would ever have, an, have be struggling with an eating disorder, right? There would be no use for therapists or dietitians if it was really that simple, right? And we all know who have been there or who are currently there that it is not easy. I always tell my clients it, recovery was one of the hardest things I ever did. And it was one of the best things I ever did. So think of those lapses like the downs and a chance to get back up. Number two, you may want to consider increasing your level of support during this time. Usually if there's a lapse or a relapse, it's because you're going through a really stressful life transition or, you know, maybe trauma reminders are coming back or um, there's increased just daily life stressors. Um, you know, for me, it would happen when I'm in college, right? And I have a really crazy semester. Um, my way of, or the eating disorders way of trying to help me cope would be to engage in behaviors, right? And so I knew when I had really intense semesters, I had to prioritize my treatment. I had to make sure I was meeting weekly with my treatment team to keep me on track. So if you know ahead of time, okay, this is going to be a stressful few months, make sure you've got your therapy session schedule, your dietitian sessions, or support groups. There's lots of free support groups. Consider maybe increasing the level of support. Maybe you add a recovery coach or peer support um, or a group, right? Um, number three, notify the people in your daily life of the lapse and plan to get and help. Notify, I'm sorry, notify the people in your daily life of the lapse and your plan to get back on track. 
this daily accountability is a huge game changer. And when you're, you know, when your friends and family and treatment team are aware of your plan, they can help you mobilize that plan. They can see you having a hard day and check in with you and say, hey, let's get back to that plan. You had these three coping skills on here you were going to do. Did you do them today? You know, something as simple as that. Now, if you have a full-blown relapse and you're struggling to find the motivation to get better, remember, remember why you started in the first place. Come back to your reasons for recovery. What are you recovering for? What do you want in life? What are your dreams? Who is important in your life that you want to recover for? Parents, partner, child, future partner, child, cousins, friends, any little thing that gives you a bit of motivation. Recognize all of that. You know, a lot of times clients will say, well, I don't want to recover for other people, though. I want to recover for me. And yes, of course, we want to find our own intrinsic reasons for recovery, but sometimes in the beginning, it's really hard to identify those because the eating disorder has kind of kept us in this cage for so long. So it's very common in the beginning of recovery to only have motivation to get better for the people in your life. And that's okay. We can start there. We can build on that. When I first started recovery, it was not for me. You know, it was for my then uh, significant other and desire to have a family one day. Did that propel my entire recovery journey? No, but it got me started. And along the way, I uncovered my own intrinsic motivation. So even if you only have one or a couple of things to write down, even if your only motivation is so you can be there for your pet, that is valid, okay? So start writing down those reasons. Most of you have at least one. Most of you have some idea of what you want your life to look like and some vision for a goal or a future, no matter how small or big that goal is. So write down that list. My clients probably are so annoyed with hearing me talk about reasons for recovery. Um, but seriously, I encourage them to have this um, reasons for recovery list on their phone to write it out on paper, put it on your dining room table, your desk, put it on the mirrors in your bathroom, um, put it in your closet. You need to flood yourself with these reasons because the eating disorder will try any which way to take you away from that. So you need to constantly flood yourself with those reasons. Now, another motivation building technique, I want you to list out what your life will be like in five years if you do not recover, be as detailed as you can. Who will be in your life? What will you do? What's your day-to-day -day like? Your mood? Your thoughts? On the other side of the paper, list out what your life will be like in five years if you do recover. Same thing, thoughts, feelings, people, activities, day-to-day -day quality of life. So one side should be what life will be like in five years if you do not recover. What will life be like in five years if you do recover? You're gonna compare and contrast those two. Sometimes when I have clients do that, they have trouble with what to come up with. They may think that if they don't recover, they'll just stay the same. And that's not how eating disorders work, right? 
they don't just allow us to stay in one place. They always get a little worse, a little worse, a little worse, a little worse, right? Until it's a lot worse. So remember that your five years, if you do not recover, should not be, oh, I'll just be the same, right? Add what's going to happen continually in those five years, more medical problems, more health problems, um, more eating disorder thoughts, more body hatred, um, more isolation from family and friends, um, inability to concentrate on daily activities, um, more headaches, more, you know, whatever, whatever is coming up for you. And even if it, none of these things are happening to you yet, you can imagine what would happen, right? So be detailed. Are people still going to be in your life after five years if you choose not to recover? What are the quality of those relationships going to be like? Maybe they're still there, but do you feel like you'll be fully in them? I know for me, I couldn't have a, a long-term healthy relationship while I was sick. It just, the illness took up everything. So, and if you don't know what your life will be like in five years, if you, you recover, this is another common thing clients get stuck on. I want you to daydream. What do you want your life to be like? No one wants to live with an eating disorder and all the misery it brings, right? So what do you want your life to look like? Who do you want to be in it? What are your goals, your hopes, your dreams? Do you want a dog? Do you want a cat? Do you want to go to college? Do you want your dream job? Do you want to find a partner? Do you want to have a great friends group? Anything. Now, when you look at those two sides of the paper, which would you prefer? Will recovery or the eating disorder get you there? Answer these honestly and take your time, okay guys? So part of recovery is realizing that the eating disorder provides temporary relief in long-term pain. Recovery comes with temporary anxiety, grief and guilt, right? But long-term relief. You need to take the long-term view in recovery. Lean on your team, your friends, your family. It's okay to need help and it's okay to have lapses and relapses. Just get back on track and do the next right thing. That was my motto in recovery and I use it all the time with clients. And even outside, you know, being beyond recovery now myself, even if I'm just having a hard day, I use that motto. Okay, what's the next right thing to do? Is it brush my teeth, take a shower, make breakfast? What is the next right thing? And let me just focus on that. When we break down tasks into smaller steps, it becomes much more manageable. So you can always do the next right thing, no matter how bad the eating disorder pulls you back. You can always recommit to that meal plan. You can always make another therapy session or support group session. You can always practice a new coping skill and challenge yourself to get inspired. Okay, this is a huge one. Get inspired through reading different books on recovery, listen to recovery podcasts, listen to memoirs of people who have recovered. These are all extremely inspiring and motivating. Um, I clung to all of these when I was in recovery. There wasn't really podcasts at the time, but you bet I read all the recovery books. I read all the blogs, you know, be careful with those too. Sometimes they can be triggering. Um, but, you know, do some research and find ones that are not so triggering. 
Um, and that just inspire and motivate you. Anyone, anything that talks too much about details can be triggering. So find, you know, um, whether it's blogs or podcasts or recovery books that are more focused on how the person got better, what tools worked for them, you know, that's the inspiring stuff we want to read. So I always encourage my clients to read something or listen to something recovery oriented every single day. This helped me stay on track in recovery too. For so long, you've been brainwashed, right? By the eating disorder and diet culture and all these different systems of oppression that tell you you're not good enough, your body's not good enough. Um, they're very disempowering messages. So we need to kind of what I call re-brainwash or maybe we can just say recondition, right? Our minds to think in a more recovery oriented way. And this is gonna come with daily exposure to recovery materials. Also social media, right? Follow recovery accounts. Again, not the triggering ones. Follow, you know, eating disorder therapists, eating disorder dietitians, health at every size providers, um, people that are further along in recovery. There's so many great accounts out there. With both of these, you know, lapses and relapses, it's important to identify what your triggers were and start practicing new coping skills for some of these triggers. It's best to have a plan so that when you get triggered again, which you will, that is a given, you have something to fall back on. Now, above all else, I'm sending you so much compassion. Recovery is so freaking hard, guys. It's, uh, I wish no one ever had to go through it. It's not fair that you got an eating disorder. It's not fair that you're struggling with mental illness. It is not. And recovery is so hard. You have to fight so hard just to be okay. And there's going to be up and downs. Um, ups and downs, but you can always get back on track and it's never too late and you're definitely not alone. Okay. There's one thing I've learned about being a therapist. It's that everyone's got something. It's so easy to compare and think, why am I having to deal with this? And you know, he or she or them, they don't have to deal with these issues. Well, trust me, they've got their own thing. Okay. Everyone's got something. So thank you guys for listening. I hope this was helpful. You are not alone. Like I said, you matter. You are so worthy of recovery and life is so much better with recovery. Okay. I hope that my messages of full recovery and my journey um, are inspiring and I hope to provide hope for you all. Okay. This is not to say that it's easy though. And it's not to say that there is not tons of barriers for more, more marginalized people. There absolutely is. And I want to acknowledge that. But I also want to provide you guys with hope. You can get better. I'm rooting for you, as always. And let me know how you like this episode and what you found helpful. You can DM me on Instagram or you can leave me a review on Apple, which I would really appreciate. All your reviews mean the world to me. And it also helps people discover the podcast more. So please consider going there and reviewing, rating, and subscribing. You can also obviously find me on Spotify. They just don't have a review option. You can find me on my website, alisonfordcounselingservices.com. You can find me on my Instagram at bodyjustice.therapist, on TikTok at bodyjusticetherapist. Um, you can check out my recovery course online, um, self-paced course via the Instagram link in my bio. 
If you don't have access to therapy, my essential skills for recovery course, it's not a substitute for therapy. However, it will provide you with all the tools I use with my clients to get better. So sometimes people can't afford therapy and you need to buy, you know, other kind of educational resources to help your journey. This is it for you. So go check it out. Listen to my other podcasts and I'm sending you guys so much love. Thanks for being here. And I know you can do the next right thing.